culture comes from expectations. As a leader, you have to clearly define what the expectations of your program are. So I think you can always hold people accountable to attitude and effort. I think holding them accountable to the result is freaking dangerous and unnecessary. This is the Reform Sports Project, a podcast about restoring healthy balance and perspective in all areas of sport through education and advocacy. Hi, this is Nick Bonacore from the Reform Sports Project podcast. Joining me today is the head softball coach from the Red Raiders at Texas Tech University, Sammy Ward. Coach Ward and I get into a great discussion all pertaining to youth and amateur sports. We get into her experience as a sports parent and how she views youth sports from a Division I coach's perspective. Man, I always say this, but this is like, I'm not saying it's been keeping me up, but it's been firing me up. I was up at 3.30 in the morning this morning because my kid sucked at sleeping last night and uh, I was up at 3.30, but I'm excited now. My juices are flowing. I have another awesome guest. We connected via social media and uh, I can't wait to get into it. Head softball coach at Texas Tech, Coach Sammy Ward. Coach Ward, thanks for hopping on. Pumped to have you. Thanks so much, Nick. I really appreciate what you're doing here. I mean, you're speaking to my passion right here with this podcast, so I'm super excited to be here. Well, I appreciate you. And I just want to get right into it. And and I'm a baseball guy, you know, and, and my kids play all different sports. We'll get into that. But I didn't tell you this. I have five boys. I have six kids. I have five boys. I have one girl, my daughter. She's a freshman in high school. She doesn't play any sports now. She's going to do some track, whatever. But she has dabbled in softball. She did it for a few years. She was a rec player. She liked it, all that. But she had friends that are in this. We've connected with some softball families. I got to tell you, I've coached, you know, Baseball, my youngest have played some travel and such. I'm very entrenched in that culture to a certain degree and know a lot about it. But I have heard some horror softball stories. I mean, I have heard some like, dude, you haven't seen anything yet. Like baseball is crazy, but softball is even crazier. And I'm like, whoa, that's saying a lot. But it probably cut from the same cloth. And I think a lot of it at times is misguided. But I just want to start right here with you. I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth. If you can blow up travel sports and start with one thing and one thing only to drop the butt. Where would you start? What gets you going? We'll start from there. Okay, well, I think the first thing to mention is, like, while I was out recruiting this summer, you know, after COVID, we were locked up for so long, and being out recruiting this summer, I'm asking a lot of my peers who also have daughters, I'm like, do you let your daughter play? I only found one parent that coaches that lets their daughter play travel softball right now, and everyone I talked to this summer. So I think that in of itself should tell us something, to be really honest. Why? What's but, the what's the reason that did you guys get into that at all? Yeah, the environment. The environment is so crazy right now. It's all about performance, performance, performance. Everyone says they're about development, but no one really knows what the hell that means. So it's so crazy right now. Everyone's throwing these buzzwords around to recruit people. I got a story for you. So I have a daughter. She is um, 10. She's going to be 11 next week. And... Uh, we got this job out here at Texas Tech last year, almost a year ago. And last spring, we signed her up to play rec ball here in town. Uh, we've only let her play rec so far. Um, so she's playing rec ball. Three different weeks in a row, different people came up to my husband and I. My husband also coaches. He's my associate head coach and our head of player development here at Texas Tech. Three different travel ball coaches came up to us in three consecutive weeks and said things to us like, hey, your daughter's pretty good. If she had the right coaching, she could be really good. I'm like, oh, okay, thank you so much. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> but I just feel like right now in youth sports, it's all about like selling snake oil. Like mm. everyone is going to say these words to basically try to make money off people. The third one, they're like, oh, my name is such and such. 
and I'm like, my name is Sammy Ward. And they're like, oh, the Sammy Ward from Texas Tech? Yes. Oh, okay. When all three of them found out who we were, we never got a call back. So I think that's interesting also in and of itself. But we're just in this environment right now where coaches are selling, 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 but not delivering, delivering, delivering. And I really think right now coaches think their job as coaches is to sell. And their job is to tell. Sell and tell, those are the two top things. But the reality is a coach is a teacher. And if we're teaching, we're creating experience. We're creating an environment for them to experience. We're trying to be as representative of the game as possible. So we're creating an environment and making it a safe place for them to fail. Because especially with our game of softball and baseball, this is a game of failure. And everyone thinks it's so easy. Everyone wants to judge from the outside and be, you know, the bleacher coaches and whatnot. This is a game of failure. People forget it's freaking hard. And we have to let them fail, learn how to fail, and move forward. How are we going to move forward when we fail? How are we going to learn from that? Like, everyone is in this performance mode, and we need them all to be in learning mode all the time. Well, can I can I say this, Coach? Because you, you brought something up, and that's not the first time I have heard it articulated like that because I have articulated it like that. I've talked to others. This is the first time that I've had an interview where a coach has articulated it just like, I mean, I would, you know, from a very, like, quite frankly, from the perspective of a concerned parent. You know, that's what I yeah. heard. And not just a concerned parent. From a concerned parent who knows what the hell they're talking about, right? And and I think it's it's flabbergasting to me because I've had parents say to me, like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like, my daughter is 9 or 10. And I actually heard this. I don't want to use their name, but they asked me a question. Like, it was down in Florida. I'm not from Florida, but someone reached out and was like, yeah, they're telling me that if I stick with them, that they know the coach at whatever university is. And I'm like, dude, that is like the biggest, like, and, and I, I mean, but to me, I hear it. I'm like, you're preying on the vulnerability of a parent, right? I mean, is that what you think that there is? I mean, not everyone's like that, but but when you say selling, is that kind of what you mean? They're selling this pipe dream to keep you stringing along? Yeah, 100%. And like, along with that, like, I strongly, strongly, strongly believe in multi-sport athletes. Like, me personally, I played volleyball, basketball, and softball through high school. I didn't play basketball until my senior year, but I loved it. One of my favorite sports to play. But my point is, is that everyone's like, you have to specialize. You need, okay, so here's another example. So again, my 10-year-old daughter, she comes home from school a couple weeks ago, and she's got this flyer for club volleyball tryouts. The girl has never picked up a volleyball in her life, but she wanted to go to club tryouts. There really isn't wreck around here, as far as I know. And so I'm like, who in the hell am I to tell my daughter, no, she can't try something? So I bring her. She makes it. We go to a parent meeting this last weekend and all they're talking about is the money. The dues are due the first of every month. They don't tell us what the dues are. You can't leave here without spending $155 on their uniform. And I was getting angry (laughs) because like there's poor, I mean, there's three teams like having team meetings at the same time. This poor coach for, you know, my daughter's team. She's just supposed to get with the parents to decide what two days of the week we can practice. And we could not come up with two days that all these other kids didn't have activities for which makes sense. They're all in other sports right now. They're 10 years old. Yeah. And so, you know, at the beginning of this talk, the lady at the club, she's like, attendance is mandatory. If they aren't here, they won't get a play. And I'm like, what in the world are we doing? You know what I mean? Like, I don't think anyone else on my daughter's team had experience either. But my point is, it was all about money. And so after this, you know, I said, okay, to the poor little club coach, because I say poor little because she's young. She's only a freshman in college, and she did a great job. I was really excited to, you know, get the chance to work with her. She seemed very passionate. But I said, what's this club about? And she said, what do you mean? I said, why would we do this? Why would we play here? Like, what are we about here? 
And she's like, well, like, why would you play club? And I was like, no, why would we play for this club? Like, what are we doing? Are we about development? Are we about winning? What are we about here? Because my daughter's never played. And she answered it perfectly. She was about, I want to teach the love of the game. I want to teach the, you know, basic fundamentals, that type of thing. But again, no one could answer me how much the dues were. And then I asked at the end, and I mean, compared to all the other sports she's playing, it's outrageous. And I'm like, what are we paying for? I just, and they're like, oh, we can put you on a payment plan. I'm like, that's not the issue. I'm sure. just asking where our money is going. Yeah, and I think a lot you know of people. I, mean? fe- I think a lot of people feel that pain, and and you keep bringing up this word, and it's something I want to get into because that's what we're talking about. It's development, right? Developing, and a lot of people don't know what that means, right? Because you also mentioned winning, right? And people associate a successful youth sport experience a lot of times with a win loss record. Oh, this coach is great because we win a lot of games. Well, that coach may just be great at recruiting kids to their team, right? Might not be developing anything. I firmly believe, and this may sound cheesy, but it's what I believe. My goal as a youth coach is, number one, for me, it's retention. I consider myself a successful coach if the kid wants to play the next year. And two is prepare them for the next level. When I interviewed Eric Backage, head baseball coach in Michigan, he said, I thought it was perfect. I haven't forgot the quote. He said, everyone has a next level. Some kids, it might be to start on their varsity high school team. Some kids, it might be to be all state. You know, some kids, it might be to go D1, some D3, don't matter. We all in our development have a next level. You listen, you're the softball coach at Texas Tech. You know, you played at a high level. You coach at the highest level of college sports. What does development mean to you and for your daughter and your kids at the youth level? The first thing that comes to mind when you talk about that is the term skills that transfer or skills that scale. So what that means, like in softball, is something that I was so passionate about that year when my daughter was playing eight and under rec ball is like all the coaches and all the leagues were talking about, oh, we got a bunt because everyone overthrows it. So then we win and they can score on bunts. And I'm like... But that's not a skill that scales. Like, at our level, you can't bunt and get a home run. And so we got to go back to, hey, we got to teach throwing and catching and things like that. And I just think it's so interesting because when I think about development, I think about not necessarily the basics, but what is representative of the game, you know, whether that's the lowest level or the highest level, but we still got to integrate into that skills that scale. So I think, you know, in our sport, one of the most important skills is throwing and catching yeah. and the way we approach that is in a motor style learning type environment and so that's task completion that's not about mechanics and making it look pretty that's about is the task completed my task is to throw the ball and hit it in the middle of that person's chest that's my task it doesn't have to look pretty and that's something that i had to kind of learn the hard way too because i was really about mechanics earlier in my career as well and, you know i had one hitter at um oil of and her swing was not pretty by any stretch of the imagination but she was a three-time first team all-conference player and i'm like it doesn't have to be pretty it doesn't have to quote-unquote look the part but i think you know, at the development level, we need to just talk about what's the task. And that can go to any sport. So in softball, our task is catching and throwing. Our task is, you know, if I'm hitting, I'm trying to hit a line drive over someone's head because we know that a line drive is going to do better for us than a ground ball or a fly ball. So I think if we're talking about development, we simplify it so literally anyone can coach and we talk about task completion. What's the task? What does the game need right now? And then furthermore, that like takes me down a whole nother tangent because it drives me absolutely insane to hear coaches, you know, youth level, college level, does not matter. Say things to their player like, I need you to do this. What I really try to do is I try to take myself out of the equation. It's not what I need you to do. It's what the game needs you to do. Like, it's not about me. Like, all I'm doing is trying to create an environment for my players to learn and grow and develop and be the best they can be. 
it's not about me. I don't need you to do anything. I need you to give everything you've got. You know, I need you to please yourself and please the game. And I think that's where we are with youth sports right now, too. We're trying to please people instead of please the game. The skills at scale thing really translates to me. And uh, I'm going to give a shout out to Devin Morgan over at Driveline Youth. That's something he's adapted in their program. If you know Devin, he's awesome. Spoke to him quite a bit. And, you know, when I'm out there, I'm coaching machine pitch right now. It's 8U. And one thing that sticks out to me is there's this... uh, if the ball's not back to the pitcher, it's open season to run, right? And it drives me nuts. It's like these kids can't throw and catch most of them. They're learning. It's also the fall. So, like, my son's not playing football. He's playing fall baseball right now. So, it's you know, it's supposed to be considered not competitive. But it's like some of these coaches, and I'm not hating on them, but I just refuse to do it. Right now, I'm kind of the oddball. But it's like I'm not going to expose a kid's deficiencies to catch the ball by causing kids to go base to base to base while all of a sudden it becomes a circus while the crowd gets nuts and all of a sudden kids are panicked because that's what you're doing. You're causing kids to get into a frenzy. They don't know what's going on. That's not baseball. That does not translate. So, like, I think that's so important. And to take it a step further, in softball in particular, it seems like pitching really dominates when you get to certain levels. Is there, because you talked about the specialization piece of it um, earlier on, but what about specialization within the game of softball, like a PO? When does that happen? Is that something that you have to focus on? Because I don't know, but it seems like, you know, some of those softball pitchers are pretty freaking ridiculously good. And do they play other positions? Is that, not to shift gears, but I think it kind of encompasses uh, the specialization piece and skills at scale when it comes to, you know, position like pitching? So two things. First, before I get into the pitching part of it, um, I do want to say, like, I think one of the biggest travesties in our game is that a lot of times with the skills at scale piece is like, so in youth sports, I really feel like everyone labels kids like, oh, she's really good or, oh, he's really good. But really when you peel back the layers of what makes them quote unquote good is that they're just stronger. They just have more functional strength than the other kids at their level. And so I think one of the biggest travesties is that for girls, a lot of times when they're not strong, as strong as their peers early on, they get turned into slappers. And there's nothing wrong with slapping. Don't get me wrong by that. Sure. But they get turned into slappers or bunters because that's all the coach thinks they can do. And so then they get pigeonholed so freaking early, they don't really know what they're going to be capable of. Like my niece plays in the travel organization in, um, in Oregon, and the head coach is always having my niece bunt, and she's 12, she's strong, she's a lefty hitter. And I'm like, why in the hell are you having her bunt? And I'm like, are you trying to win, or are you trying to give her experience so she can get better? Like, why are you having her bunt? And I'm on his butt all the time about it, because I'm like, you have an opportunity to give this young lady experience to mash. Let's let her mash and see what she can do. Okay, so... Well, real, real quick, I want to go in, but we'll get back to the pitch in there in a second. How do I know? Because, listen, that seems like a, a common thread I, I'd like you to dig into, and that is people associate winning with success, and they think, well, my team's doing well, these kids are getting better because we're winning. But I think that that's crap. Can you talk about why... Like, and I think that's a perfect example, but some people might not know what a slap hitter is, but everyone can relate to bunting, right, at those ages in particular. So can you talk about that? Okay, so... <laughs> I could talk about that forever. But the reality is, is like we pigeonhole these kids early on because we're like, okay, we're assessing the situation. Like this is the MLB World Series or the Women's College World Series and we got to win it all. And so the only thing I know that I'm confident that this young person could do is bunts. And that's ridiculous. Like winning at this point, like in youth sports, 
is really not that important. What you're doing is you're stunting their growth. You're like handicapping their opportunity to actually fall in love with whatever game they're playing, in my opinion, because it's all about winning right now. And I think, honestly, that's one of the biggest travesties we're doing in youth sports is we're robbing them of the opportunity to fall in love with whatever sport they're pursuing or trying to be really honest at the cost of winning. And it's funny, again, back to my oldest daughter when she was playing uh, rec softball, she was eight and under. And this is like when my eyes became open, to be really honest, but she was playing and eight and under rec ball but she made quote-unquote an all-star team and my husband and I like I said he coaches also with me we refuse to call it all-stars we just called it extended season yeah but what we saw within the environment there was unacceptable and what I mean by that is like we have eight-year-olds who are practicing like an hour a week not really getting a lot of experience because there's more talking than doing at that point and you know they're being finger in the face pointed at and you can't do this and da 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 with really hard concepts like tagging up and things like that. And that was my aha moment because this was building in me when I saw it occurring firsthand. And I said to the head coach who played baseball where I played softball, I said, dude, if you don't shut your assistant coach up, I'm going to hurt him. Like, you cannot please a human being and compete at the same time. And, like, when those words came out of my mouth, that was my aha moment. And that totally changed the trajectory of my coaching philosophy, to be really honest. And I'm like, it's not about me. You know what I mean? It's about them competing. Am I giving them what they need to compete in that moment? If I've got to still say something, then I haven't prepared them. I haven't given them the experience that they need in that moment. And I mean, that's a whole other thing. We talk about that because we're playing way more than we're practicing. We're not practicing properly, but we're playing way more than we're practicing. We could practice so much more and provide so much more experience and practice than we are than paying all this money to go to all these tournaments. At the end of the day, though, you know, that that's, you know, it, we can go on and on and on and on. This is like a never ending, you know, dialogue. You just go back and forth with because there's so many tentacles of it. And I want to get into the pitching aspect because I think it all ties together and it's specific to your sport. But at the same time, you know, I'm hearing you talk about the competition. And I really want to make sure we get into that because I think it's important that that we Let's face it, our job, it's not about us as coaches, but all we're trying to do is provide an atmosphere. Isn't that what teachers are trying to do? Give the kids the opportunity to succeed. And it's the same thing that we're talking about, but the egos get in the way, man, the coach and ego. So we'll get into that in a second. Tell me what's up with this pitching because, man, it seems really tough and it almost seems like you have to specialize. Is it, you know, is it a PO situation, pitcher only? No, I really don't think so, personally. I mean, from my own experience, I was a pitcher that hit. So um, I think when I got to college, my coach probably assumed that I was going to hit more than I was going to pitch. But by the time my own career was over, like he knew that I could compete in any situation. I wasn't going to back down based on the experience that I had playing other positions and hitting. So I don't think that's necessary at all. But a lot of people think it is. Uh, My pitching coach, I've hired a pitching coach here. She was an All-American at the University of Iowa. She didn't start pitching until she was like 14 or 16, which is pretty late in today's day and age. So I think people, you know, assume right now that you have to start pitching at a really young age, like 8 or 10 or 12. And that's the only way you have to focus all your time and energy on that. But the reality is, I think when you do that, you limit yourself. You limit your athletic ability and you limit your opportunity to learn and grow and understand your body and things like that. So... Do I think that's necessary? No. And I do see our game right now kind of going, like, for a while, like, pitchers were your best athletes. And they hit and they played other positions for softball. 
And then there was like probably a 20 year stretch where they were POs. And now I think it's kind of going back to they hit or they do other positions. So I'm thankful for that, to be really honest. You brought up you were a multi-sport athlete and you just brought up competing. And I hear this a lot from, I mean, it doesn't matter the sport. And I don't think people understand. I hear this a lot. People say, I think it's important for kids to learn how to compete and compete to win at any age. But there's a difference between that and winning at all costs. How does multi-sport, how does that and versatility translate into making you a better competitor? Meaning, let's say I know softball's my spots, what I want to play. But I really like to play volleyball. I like to play basketball. Like, how can those things help me as a softball player? Well, I think first and foremost, if we, like, apply motor style learning to any sport we do, we understand our task. And our task is derived by what it takes to win. So I think that totally simplifies any sport we do. But I think furthermore, like, I loved playing volleyball because I could get the high by being an outside hitter and having kills. You know, like, you know, they call them spikes for people that don't really know. So I could get that high that I get by hitting a home run or striking someone out by having a kill in volleyball. And I could get that like 15 times a game in volleyball versus one or two, like if I'm hitting one or two or like if I'm pitching like 10 for me at my best. So I think like for me, I was always kind of chasing that high. Like I knew what my task was. I knew what my team needed need to do for us to win. So again, motor style learning, task completion. So I think that's so important to understand through all sports. So basketball, I got to hit that three. That's my job. That's my task. That helps us win, but that helps me compete. So I'm chasing that task, which is all about competing. Like my task is derived from what it takes for us to win. So understanding what it takes in each sport to win and chasing that and being relentless and stubborn to it, that's sports right there to me. That's Sammy Ward, head softball coach at Texas Tech University. When we return, Coach Ward and I discuss recruiting and how to develop great team culture. Welcome back to the Reform Sports Project podcast, where Coach Ward and I left off. We were about to dig into what she looks for from a recruiting standpoint and how to develop great team culture. I'm not in your position, but I think this is one of the most important things in your livelihood, and that's recruiting. I would argue that the entire youth sports ecosystem was founded on the premise to make it easier for kids to be seen. It seems like that is the driver. If I was going to open a youth sports business today, I would totally sell the idea of the athletic scholarship. Even though you might pay like a hundred grand before you get to the opportunity to have college, and then it might triple the amount that college actually costs, I'm still going to sell it because parents and I'm a parent and I know what it's like there's something sexy to be able to say my kid got a scholarship even though literally as you know sometimes that's like a $500 semester scholarship it's very little from an athletic standpoint it also fosters the D1 or bus mentality which quite frankly I take personally because I played D3 we won a national title you know and I think it was literally the one of the best experiences of my life teammates for life coaches for life all of that but not everyone can play at Texas Tech not everyone can play in the ACC, SEC, Power, whatever it is. And it doesn't mean you can't have a great experience somewhere. And often, let's cut the chase. If I own a club, I want to be able to say that Jenny Finch worked out here. You know, so that's the thing. It's like I want to sell that all these D1 kids came out of my club or my organization. So I'm going to push that. Can you talk about recruiting, how it helps you as a college coach, but at the same time, you know, might be doing kids a disservice or parents or kind of walk through that a little? 
Yeah, I mean, recruiting's crazy right now, and it really is. And I know that you play D3, and you're a freaking badass there. You won a national title, and that's freaking awesome. Like, for me, myself, I've coached at the NAI level. I've coached at the D2 level. If someone wants to play, there is literally a spot for them to play. But I think that's what we're missing right now. Like, if you're passionate about playing, you can find a place to play. But we've kind of robbed them of that passion to play and made it more of a business. So that's really challenging in a lot of areas. So, I mean, I know I know you've gone into it with your other podcasts so far and stuff, but I think it's so important to take breaks and to go to other sports and things like that. Like from my own experience growing up, my dad um, played softball in the Navy. He learned how to play. He pitched. Um, he taught my sister and I to pitch. Like my sister and I never spent a dime to learn how to pitch. And so when we were growing up and understanding that all these people were paying all this money in lessons, we we're like, what the heck's going on? Like, I never paid a dime to learn how to play. Yeah. And like before my dad had passed away, he's like, I will never charge a kid to teach them how to pitch. If they want to pitch, I'm going to teach them how to pitch. Like, period. It's just become such a business right now and even on the recruiting end. Um, and, you know, as a college coach, I feel guilty because – we have created, as college coaches, the environment we're in. We try to make things easier for us in the recruiting element. What I mean by that is, like, all these showcases, like, that was designed to make our lives easier in that we go, we watch a game, and it's a friendly or whatever in a showcase tournament so we can see who we want to see as opposed to if it's a championship-type setting, the coach is playing to win, and we don't always get to see who we want to see. Like, maybe the one we're trying to see, like, you know, we're mid-major, D2, whatever. We're trying to see someone who doesn't get a lot of playing time. We never see him play. So we've kind of created this ourselves. And I think, you know, as college coaches, we're kind of opening our eyes. Like, that wasn't a good idea. <laughs> we got to do something different right now. We've created our own beast. So recruiting is crazy right now. And, like, one of the other things that I think is so interesting like when I was mentioning earlier that you know my oldest daughter was being approached in the parking lot after a rec games by three different travel coaches the last one was like oh you're the coach at Texas Tech you gotta look at my daughter she's 10 year old 10 years old and she throws 55 miles an hour oh and I'm like okay like I'm not looking at your daughter like I'm sorry but that's not important to me I'm not gonna recruit a 10 year old no matter what how, old, how early so does this early recruiting go I mean I do hear and I actually will tell you I know firsthand of of, of baseball players who were offered in eighth grade. I mean, I, I, I know yeah, it happened. And that, that was happening big time in our sport. And we luckily changed our rules. So we are not allowed to have contact with any prospective student athletes until September 1st of their junior year. Of even high if they now. call you, even if it's arranged? Yes. We can't take that anymore. It, we used to be able to, but maybe two years ago that changed for us. Wow. So we have tried to take a stand to change that for the better. Um, it's pretty interesting, though. I mean, I'm not going to lie. On September 1st, for a lot of juniors, like 23, that's the junior class right now, the 2023 class, yeah. I saw a lot of commitments. And I'm like, hmm, that's pretty fishy, considering we're not allowed to talk to them today. Sure. So we're making offers, and they're taking them today. But the reality is we're not supposed to be talking to them right now until September 1st of their junior year. And that's for 2023s, because that's the year, the junior year right now. So we have, as a softball community, try to take a stand against that um, and try to correct that because we were having sixth graders commit seventh eighth like it was just insane it was literally the wild wild west 
So like when you hear parents say at times like, oh, my, my, my 10 year old might get a look. I mean, at that point, they were like literally hoping that that might start happening like when they're in middle school. 100%. And I think take it one step further. A lot of the coaches at the travel ball level that I've talked to heard from when they're acting a fool, they'll say things like we're trying to prepare them for college. And I'm like, are you an idiot? I'd get fired if I did that. But they do things and they act a fool. They act crazy. They humiliate these kids at like 10, 11, 12, and on up, all in the name of, quote unquote, getting them ready for college. And I'm like, you have no clue what you're doing. People often mistake, and I'm a firm believer that discipline and structure and culture um, is important. You know, I have six kids. My house is not the Wild West. It can't be. Like, there has to be structure. And I, and I was fortunate to play for Mike Fox and, and great coaches at, at North Carolina Wesleyan. And it was discipline. I mean, we were sprinting everywhere. I mean, shirts tucked in. I mean, we knew the rules. And I'll tell you one story, and I think it'll give you an idea. It was my um, my sophomore year. We are about to win the conference tournament, and one of our freshman pitchers, shout out, Jed Sneed, says to you know our stud, one of our we had a ridiculous staff, but one of our starters, Sean Fleming, Sean's a junior and Jed is a freshman, and Jed says to him, "So what do we do when we when win the conference tournament? We're gonna we're gonna rush the field?" And and Sean was like, "Dude, we're gonna walk off the field, we're gonna shake hands, we're gonna get on the bus. This is the conference tournament. Like we expect to win the conference tournament. We." We only dogpile for regional championships and national titles here. But, like, that was our culture, and that was understood. Like, that was way that it was, and everyone worked towards that. And the reason I'm bringing that up is, is that didn't happen overnight, right? That's fostered through discipline, structure, all that. How do you build that while still having an element of fun, right, and not – like you were just describing, uh, making it unpleasant, or can you be a disciplinarian without getting up in someone's face? 100%. So I think the things we hold our student athletes accountable to are attitude and effort. Those are the two things they can control. That is tucking in their shirts. That's effort. You're paying attention to the details. You know what's expected in the program. I also feel like I'm a disciplinarian. Um, I'm a big believer in attitude, effort, structure, discipline. Culture comes from expectations. As a leader, you have to clearly define what the expectations of your program are. When those expectations aren't met, you have a private conversation. You don't blow them up in front of God and everyone. You have a private conversation. You say, hey, you didn't do this. Or tell me why this happened. Or tell me what you think about this. Like, honestly, I'm at a point in my life right now where I'm not telling them a lot. I'm asking them because I need to understand where they're coming from so I can communicate with them effectively. But... Culture right now, that's where we are at in our program at Texas Tech. We're building a culture. And one of the things that I'm like the most proud of with the 25 women that we have on our team are that every single one are here to build the foundation of our culture. And the reality is, in today's day and age, a lot of people don't want to be a part of that process. They sure. want to go and they want to chase the champions. So we have a sports psychologist. She comes in. She, she was a former softball player, which I think is huge for us. She works with our student-athletes on a weekly basis um, in a group setting, and she kind of asked them their why, and every single one had mentioned something in their own words about, I want to be a part of the you know, process of building the foundation of this culture here. Hell yes, I want to go to the World Series. That's our goal. That's what we're working towards, but we're going to build a foundation that doesn't leave when we graduate. So I think you can always hold people accountable to attitude and effort. I think holding them accountable to the result is freaking dangerous. 
and unnecessary. And I think that's what happens a lot right now is like, oh, he struck out. That's the result. How was he at that? Were they swinging at the pitch they wanted to drive? Things like that. So I think you can build your culture based on attitude and effort. Coach, I want to have you back on and literally just talk about that. You got me fired up and, and I love, I'm grateful for your time here. But you got a room, you got the mic, you know, you, you're at the ESPYs, you're at ABCA, you're at the softball convention. You got a thousand parents with their, you know, ninth, 10th, 11th graders softball. You know, they want to play in college. They want to go to Texas Tech. They want to play at your level. What's the path in two, three minutes? How do they get there from a student athlete perspective, whether it's grades, character, all those things? And of course, ability. How do they get on the radar? How do they get to Texas Tech? Well, I think the biggest thing is, in my opinion, we recruit character first and foremost. Um, I don't want to bring someone in who's going to be a problem. What I mean by that is they're all about them. They're all about the results. That's not us. We're about the process here. So that's something that we really value um, in terms of advice to parents. After a game, I'm speaking from experience on both sides. After a game, you're taking your child back from whatever game that was. When you're in the car, that is the most crucial time for your like your relationship and your bond. Mm. All you need to say is, I love to watch you play, period. You don't need to give your input. You don't need to give your two cents from the peanut gallery. This is a harsh freaking game. Every game they play is hard. Basketball's hard. Soccer's hard. They're not trying to fail, but they need to fail if they're going to grow. And we have to, like, embrace and encourage them to fail because that's taking chances. That's seeing what their limits are. Let them fail. Let them grow. After my daughter's games, my oldest daughter, my youngest one, she's not old enough to play yet. She's only five. After her games, all I say to her was, man, Rye, I love to watch you play. I love to watch you compete. If she's playing softball, I'll say things like for our verbiage, for our program, like we talk about on defense, getting in your ready position. And we say that as getting in your circle. Man, I saw you getting in your circle on every pitch. Way to go. When she's hitting, we talk about like in the on-deck circle, you're just trying to get your timing. That's all you're trying to do there. Like you don't need a swing. You've already swung. You're just trying to get your timing. And I'll say things like, man, I saw you working your timing there. Way to go, girl. I don't say anything about any outcome of any at bat because I know she was trying her hardest, mm. but she needs that experience to grow and learn. So if people after the game come up to her and say, man, you had a great game, I'll say things like she worked hard because we can't reward the outcome. We have to reward the process. So the process is how they worked, how they prepared, were they present? And when they failed, how did they get to the next pitch? So that's the things we talk about. And so that's what I would encourage other parents to talk about. She pitches also. She loves to pitch. In my head, I was a pitcher and I'm like, there's no freaking way in this day and age I would probably pitch. Like the deck is stacked against pitchers right now. The bats are hotter. The balls are hotter. All these things. They don't like for softball, the pitching distance has moved back further sooner so they're going to get rocked sooner. But she loves to pitch. I'm like, man, I love to watch you compete. That's all I say. I don't need to talk about her walks. I don't need to talk about her getting hit. It doesn't matter. She's learning and she's growing. So I think those are the most important things. I'm not telling anyone how to parent, but I'm giving advice because what I hear from my student athletes is I hate to fail because then I have to hear about it from my mom or dad. And that breaks my heart in a million pieces. 
you're not trying to fail. This is a hard freaking game. Sports science did a whole thing on the most challenging thing, like the most challenging athletic endeavor, and it was hitting a fast pitch softball. It's freaking hard. Every time I hear the parents in the crowd yelling at our hitters, like, oh, swing, things like that, I'm like, okay, after the game, you come down here, I'm going to pitch to you, I'm going to have Brittany, the American <laughs> yeah, pitch right. to you, my pitching coach, and let's see how you do. But people forget it's hard. No one's trying to fail. They're trying to do their best. But I'm going to tell you right now, if we're on them for their failures, they're going to tighten up. And our goal as a coaching staff at Texas Tech is to allow our student-athletes to play free. You will not see me. I guarantee it. I'll Bible it. <laughs> you can watch me on ESPN Plus or any other network we're on. I will not react when our players, quote-unquote, fail. I won't. I won't throw my hands in the air. I won't do anything because I know it's hard. I know they're trying. I know they're working. I'll just talk to them and say, hey, what'd you learn? And that's it. It's about learning. As student-athletes or as athletes, they need to be in a learning mode 24-7, not a performance mode. And they think they need to be in a performance mode playing all the dang time. It's always learning because hitting, pitching, defense, it's all a journey. There's not a destination. You never get it. You're always learning more. So that's my two cents. Coach, that is freaking awesome. I am so fired up that we connected. I cannot thank you enough for your time. Sammy Ward, Texas Tech softball. I just can't thank you enough for coming on, sharing your insight. Thanks, Nick. I appreciate you doing this. I was so jazzed to hear that you were doing this whole podcast, and I'm like, you are speaking to my soul. I'm so happy you're doing this. That's Sammy Ward, head softball coach at Texas Tech University. Thanks for listening to the Reform Sports Project podcast. I'm Nick Bonacore, and our goal is to restore a healthy balance and perspective in all areas of sport through education and advocacy. For updates, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or check out our website.